You are listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Just to, uh, just to kind of close the, the circle on this, if, if, if you're interested in getting involved in uh, uh, the cancer um, project in, uh, at Amingo, uh, you could talk to Dennis and Nancy uh, afterwards. Um, if, if missions is maybe something that stirs, has been stirring in you, and you're like, I don't really know what I would do, where I would fit. God can use you however he's gifted you. He can use you to do what it is that he's called you to do. Um, and, and I'll also say, if you are in the medical field in any way, uh, and maybe have a, a tug towards something bigger, whether it's just for a small season, maybe you'd love to be a part of teaching in the medical field again, talk to them. They would love to chat with you and, uh, and set up some type of a conversation uh, about how you can get involved. And so we're going to continue to pray as well for, uh, for the crisis that's going on over there um, because we want to send more people and we want to be a part of bigger things. Let's dig into the Word this morning. Today we're uh, in chapter 15 of Matthew as we're walking through this text. This is the second half of a conversation uh, this episode that Jesus is having with the Pharisees and um, uh, questioning them as they're questioning him. And so as we always know, Jesus has these interactions. They're not happy with him. Things are starting to go down. And Jesus decides that he's going to clarify some things. Uh, for about the last uh, 25 years, this little container has sat on a shelf in my office um, it, it might not seem like much to you, but this means really the world to me. Uh, this was made by a student uh, who was in our youth, our very first youth ministry, and um, she was one of our very first graduates uh, uh, in our youth ministry, and she made this in, a, in an art class. I'm terrified of dropping it. I know I'm probably going to end up doing that by the end of the day because it, it sat on a shelf for so long. But it's cool. It's, it's misshapen. It's not perfect. It's got a weird top. I don't know what that, that pointy thing on top represents. I usually just keep changing it because I don't know what else it's good for. But it's not about what it's, what it's used for for me. It's, it's just about that it was, a, it was a gift to me by a student, and she put her name on the bottom uh, and this represents her so well. This was a student that was really close to, to Susie and I. And, um, and, and she had a sister and a best friend. And they were always in competition for being the, who's the top three in uh, South Dakota in, in tennis in high school. And so there was kind of always this rotation around as they competed against each other and with each other. Um, but, but she also struggled with some stuff. Uh, that, that this container really represents a lot uh, about her. Uh, you know, like a lot of us, right? There's anxiety over uh, uh, what we don't like about ourselves. We see our, our flaws and our faults. And so we got a chance to just walk alongside her as she's trying to figure out this journey of life. And so when, when she gave me this, I was like, this is so you, right? It's, it's perfectly imperfect. And, I, and every time that I, that I see it and look at it, I... I remember her. You see, it's not about the thing that, that she gave me. It's really ultimately about the relationship that we got to have with her and watch what God did with her. It was, it's, when I see this, it's about the thing behind the thing. And we talk about that a lot in our own lives, is that even if you, you think about it, you get into an argument with somebody and, and they just fly off the handle and you're like, look, I don't think you're really upset about the thing that we're arguing about. 
which restaurant we're going to go eat at, right? There's got to be, there's a thing behind the thing. There always is. There's, there's more to it. And that's really what Jesus explains to the people as, as he has now been confronted by the Pharisees and he pushes back at them. What Jesus is trying to help people understand is there's a thing behind the thing. You're following, remember, so we talked about last week, they came and, and questioned Jesus all the way from Jerusalem. They were really upset, these religious leaders, the, the pious and the elite, they traveled all the way from Jerusalem to kind of corner Jesus to go, why don't you wash your hands before you eat? Right? It sounds like everybody's mom here. And, and remember, though, what we talked about uh, was that what, what, what Jesus wasn't doing wasn't about hygiene, it was ceremonial cleansing, ceremonial washing. We explained it last week is that, that it was a fist closed and water poured uh, over. And it, it wasn't God's law. It was a, a ceremonial law that, that over time people had adopted uh, to, to basically try to, to cleanse themselves, to present themselves as holy. But as we all know, as things got passed down over time, it, in many people's eyes and hearts, it became God's law to them. God God told us that we have to cleanse our hands three times before we eat. And what Jesus was saying by not doing it and then being addressed by the Pharisees, he's saying, look, that's not God's law. And remember, then last week he said, you, you, you obey this one religiously, but you, you've thrown God's actual law out the window. You don't honor your father and mother. Or you steal from them. And he said, you've, you've got it all mixed up. He called them hypocrites, right? They're actors. You're, you're just putting on a show for the people to think that you're holy, when in reality you live a totally different way. So our text today is a continuation in that, in that conversation, Jesus' explanation. And we get to the heart of the matter. We're going to get to what Jesus was talking about. He talks about the thing behind the thing. Why do we do what it is that we do? This is what it says in Matthew 15, verses 10 through 20. If you are willing and able, would you stand as I just read uh, this text for us? So then Jesus called the people to him because they were in a crowd. The Pharisees had confronted him in the crowd, right? Because that's what they were good at. We're going to try to shame him in front of everybody. So Jesus calls the people around and said, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, or in other words, that makes a person unholy. But what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both are going to fall into a pit. And Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. God, as we now uh, take a, a short moment of time, uh, we hold up your word and we ask that you would 
give us clarity on how we should live through it, what we need to understand about you and your Savior. And as we lead to a time of remembering Jesus' sacrifice, may you just continue to work and prepare our hearts together in unity for what it is that you desire to do. This is your time. Uh, in your name, amen. You could have a seat. I was just, I was just thinking at the end, verse 20, uh, to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. I'm wondering if any kids in the room want to make that their life verse. You know, right? Yeah. Amen. Uh, so Jesus calls the people together. Uh, and and he, uh, to explain his reaction and why he reacted that way to the Pharisees. Now, you've got to put yourself in the, in the, in, back in the time and in the location and how people were feared and respected the, the Pharisees as really their religious leaders. And Jesus has now really called them on the carpet on a number of things and has basically said, your law doesn't mean anything. Your tradition does not mean anything. And I don't need to follow, to follow it. And he says, so gather and understand. In other words, he's telling people, listen closely. I want to clarify this for you. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out that defiles a person because the mindset of the people that they've gained over the religious teaching throughout their lifetime is, is that what you ate uh, would, could defile you if you ate the wrong things. Especially significant is that Jesus is addressing the washing of hands. We know if you go back to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there, is a, there are a number of things that God told His people that they shouldn't eat shellfish and pork and insects and birds of the air and you can do your own research uh, and see why many of these could be bad for your health but ultimately that wasn't the point for God the point for God and the reason that he gave is 613 laws uh, for his people is so that they would understand their need and their their desperation for a holy God because there's no way that they could live into all of these laws that he gave given them. And Scripture, as you read Scripture in its entirety, they, Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about this a lot. He goes, that's the point. The point is for people to understand that they can't live up to a holy God, and so they have a, there's a need for salvation. There's a need for rescue. There's a need for repentance. And so the law allowed people to see their sinfulness and their need for a rescue from it. What mattered is that is, is what God declared was right and what God declared was wrong, and He expected His people to live into it. The laws itself, which maybe a lot of, a lot of ancient people, they had no clue. I don't know why we're not allowed to eat lobster. Like, I don't, I don't get it. They seem so delicious, you know, but we're not, but we're not allowed to. And and it wasn't, oh, well, it's because of this or because... Of... No, it's because God said don't. That's the only thing that matters. You don't have to dig into all the, de- the depths of the why because you have the why because God said so. I was doing some research. I was trying to find uh, crazy laws that we have in North Dakota that, that we, you probably don't even know exist. And I wanted to find out the why. I couldn't find out why they're there. But there's an actual law that says that you and I, get this, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. You as a North Dakotan are not allowed to keep an elk in your sandbox in your backyard. I don't know. I, I, that, 
I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it's there. But all I know is now it just makes me want to have, a, first of all, a sandbox. And then now I want to get, a, I want to get an elk. Uh, and, and, and just to find out if that law is going to be in, enforced. Um, there's another one that if, you're, if you live in Fargo, you're not allowed to swim in the Red River naked from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I don't know if there are other laws that come after 8 p.m. or not, but that, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know why it's there. Also, this doesn't matter because you're all good Baptists, but you're not allowed. There's a law that says you're, you're not allowed to, uh, to keep your hat on while you're dancing in North Dakota. So, right? So, repent. <laughs> not, for the, not for the hat, for the dancing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, there, but, but it made me go... What could have possibly happened? I would love to know the story behind what happened that all of a sudden somebody, you know, comes together with all of our great legislators and our governors like, hey, we got to do something about all these elk in the sandboxes in people's backyard. They're keeping them there. When it comes to, to God's law, God says, I, I, I want you to care that I said not to. It's, it's about me. It's about obedience. That's what God expects from us. He chose the people of Israel as his own. He freed them from captivity in Egypt. They didn't have any way and understanding of living outside of Egypt. And so God stops them out in the desert and he says, I need your full dependence on me. I promise you that I'm going to lead you to where you need to go. I've chosen you as my, my special people that I will put my name on, and what I need from you is to trust me, that I will continually provide for you, that you will follow me, and I will bless you, and I will do great things. Disobedience is, is really because we don't trust. We find that right away in Genesis chapter 3 as God tells the very first man and woman, like this, this world is for you to enjoy. The only thing that, that you can't do is eat of that one tree. God was saying, I, I just, I want you to trust me that I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you all of my best. But he gives them the opportunity. He said, just don't eat of that one tree. And they ate of it and sin enters into the world. Sin didn't enter into the world because there was something about that piece of fruit that, was, that had some type of poison or magic in it that all of a sudden made them sinners. It was the disobedience that the not trusting in God that brought sin into the world. We get to Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and God rescuing from the people of Egypt. And he says, you're my people. Not, I didn't choose any other nation. I didn't choose any other people group. I chose you. And he says in Exodus 19.4, you've seen for yourselves what I've done for you. I've rescued you. I've done great things. I continue to provide for you. I brought you to myself. And then he tells them, now, if you obey my voice and if you keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession, set apart as a kingdom of holy people. If you obey what it is that I've asked you to obey. So they took it very seriously. That's why we, we have them. We find them placing a hedge of protection around. We want to make sure nobody in this nation breaks the law, so we're going to create more laws around God's laws. The problem is, is they thought their laws were, as Jesus said, more important than God's laws. God just wanted obedience to what He asked of His people, to trust, to have faith. 
Jesus didn't really even get to uh, the Old Testament laws. He was addressing their issue, their question. Why don't you obey our ceremonial law? And so Jesus just says, look, it's, it's not about what goes into the mouth that defiles it. It never was. It's, it's the thing behind the thing. It's about vanity. The disciples didn't understand Jesus' statement. They didn't quite get it. So they come up to him, hey, Jesus, I don't know, know this, but the Pharisees are kind of upset. Like he kind of called them out. They're, they're offended. And, and the way that it's written is really this understanding that what they were telling Jesus was, hey, that really wasn't cool. The way that, the way that, you, that you said that to them. They're, they're kind of upset about it. Don't you think you were a little bit harsh with them? Jesus wasn't malicious in it. He was just speaking the truth. And by, by Jesus saying what it is that he needed to say, he was speaking out against their traditional practices, thinking that that was in some way holy. But in their eyes, it shamed them. It embarrassed them. And the key to that statement is in their eyes. Jesus just spoke truth. It was their choice if they were going to be offended by it. Now, I know some of you are like, okay, yeah, preach, right? Because if I speak truth, I don't care what, what other people think. That's not what God calls us to do. We, we're supposed to speak truth at all times, but we're also supposed to speak it in such a way that people will be drawn to Christ rather than repelled from Him by the way that we come across at people. But I'm not even going to go there for the rest of the morning. It was their choice to be offended, the word is scandalon. That's the Greek word uh, that Matthew uses. It means to stumble or to fall away. Uh, because how we get the word scandal from that? What's a scandal? It's something that it's an action that causes our reputation to be ruined, to be harmed. So the stumbling away, being offended, is just that. Oh, you've said something uh, that's going to make me look bad, and so I'm, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. That's the whole idea. The Pharisees actually leave. They don't want to be around Jesus anymore at this point. How dare you? But what we know about being offended is that, that that's our choice to take what somebody said or done and make it personal about us, how we react to it. It's more than hurt feelings. What it does, it takes hurt feelings and, and it justifies us being angry with somebody else. I don't have to have anything to do with you anymore because of what you've said about me, which isn't biblical at all. And it's an outward action of anger that, that then turns into what? Turns into power. And then what happens if we f keep following that? If we allow ourselves to be offended is that we get angry and we take on the power and now we have to dominate over the person who has offended us. And they then uh, become the villain and we get to be what we always dream of. We get to be the hero, right? We get to be the one that crushes the victim. That's the justification that goes on in our minds when we become so easily offended by things. As Christians, if we're offended at the actions of others, we need to put ourselves in the right seat. Because if, if we're offended at other people's sin, what we need to understand is it's God that's been disrespected. That's what Jesus is saying. You're, you're disrespecting God. The, the disciples are saying, hey, you really offended them. And he's like, well, they've offended God. 
And I'm going to let God, let him go, he says. I'm going to let God take care of that. It's like we talked about a number of weeks ago with the wheat and the weeds. What did Jesus say? The disciples were like, we should go out and pull all the weeds, right? Get, all, get rid of all the, the bad people in the world, right? And Jesus said, leave them alone. Your job is to grow and to bear fruit. That's what your role is. And, and what we need to understand as, as Christians, that if somebody's sin causes a stirring in us, what we have to go back to and understand that, that sin is an offense to God and God alone. And God himself tells us all throughout Scripture that he's patient, that he's long-suffering, that his judgment will come in his good time. We don't have to worry about it. We don't get to play God in the middle of it. We don't get to push people away. We don't get to push them down. We don't get to disrespect people. We don't get to think of ourselves as the hero and them as the villains. God gets to be God, and we continue to be us, who He's created us to be, to get involved in the life of a person and walk them in a discipling way to see what truth is. Proverbs 19.11 says, Wisdom makes one slow to anger. It's your glory to overlook an offense. Not a lot of us want to hear that. It's our glory to overlook when somebody offends us, when somebody causes, when pushes us away. Peter, in 1 Peter 2.8, quotes the prophecy of Isaiah 28.16 that says that Jesus will be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. In other words, He's going to do things that are going to push people away. Because of the way that He taught, the way He lived His life, because of His perfection. And Peter adds, the reason they stumble is because they disobey the word. It's about obedience. Being offended is about vanity. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were all about. It was about, look at me. Look at what I'm doing, how holy I am. Solomon, the wise writer of Ecclesiastes, was given wisdom from God and along with it, everything you could possibly imagine but five times in the book of Ecclesiastes he he sits back and he looks at all that he's received and all that God's given him and realizes that that if that if without a focus a perspective on God himself he says you know what this life is this life is vanity everything is vanity in other words it's all about me if it if there is no life following after God our role is, is to help people see their need for Christ. So Jesus responds to the disciples, don't worry about them. Uh, they're the blind leading the blind. If you follow after them, you're just going to end up in a pit. So just let them go. And then Jesus gets to the, the heart of it all. It's just that. That, that, that the thing behind the thing is, is our heart. Is our heart in it. Peter says, I think it's, I don't know, I don't know if I would have wanted to be in the room uh, the, way that this is, the way that this is explained by Matthew, is that, um, so, so Peter says, hey, they were really offended by what you said, um, I don't really understand what you said, but they're really upset about it, and Jesus goes on kind of this, this rant a little bit about the Pharisees, and then what happens, he, he comes back and Peter goes, yeah, so, um, so what was that about? Like, what's the parable about? Like, I'm trying to get at it. And Jesus says to him, this is how I, how I interpret it. I don't know if this is the Hebrew or the Greek, but I think Jesus is just like, 
Uh, <laughs> right? He's, you still don't understand this? How is this not getting through to you? It's simple. And so he just gives a science lesson, right? It's really basic. What goes into the mouth goes into the stomach, and then it goes out of the body, right? Plain and simple. Because what you eat, when you eat it, uh, it gets processed, and all of the things you don't need anymore to make your body function uh, goes out of your bodily functions, It's how God made us. And he says, however, it's what comes out of your heart and out of your mouth that actually is is what can defile you. Your sin. The outside in, whatever. Mark actually says in, in the way that he tells this narrative, Mark 7, he says, and in doing so, Jesus declared all foods clean. Because it's not about the food, it's about the thing behind the thing. It's about obedience to God. But inside out, that's what matters. And Jesus is saying, that's what they've forgotten about. Everything that they love to do is about being seen and the things that they do on the outside when they have no relationship with God whatsoever. Because without a relationship with God, you can do all the things that God asked you to do. Don't eat this and go and do this. You can do that under your own power, and, but it's going to get you nowhere. You need something greater. We need, we need a rescue. We need a salvation to take care of our sin problem, our selfishness. There's a new way of thinking for everybody in Jesus' day. They've been taught to become accustomed to believing that, that the external stuff really was the most important. That's what mattered. And that's what makes us sinful. So just avoid all of that stuff. And... Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart, it's not just not this muscle that pumps, but it means it's, the, it's your desire for everything. It's the center of all things. Your heart, your soul, your mind. It's what makes you tick. It's the thing behind the thing. It's what drives you in life. And Jesus said, that's the thing you need to protect. Because every decision that you make, every choice that you make to pursue God or the world is coming out of the heart. And so he says, the things that defile you are not what you eat, but it's, it's actually your, your action. And Jesus gives this list. The first thing that he talks about is it starts with evil thoughts, evil reasonings. In other words, it starts with you telling yourself that it's okay to do this. And then out of that, he gives a list. And that list that he gives of these things are the second half of the Ten Commandments. Because the first half of the Ten Commandments are about our relationship with God. The second half of the Ten Commandments are our relationship with people. And that's where Jesus, that's where they're missing the mark. They think they can do all this and earn God's approval for themselves, but they don't care at all about any of what God commanded them to do for others. They've just made it all about themselves and it's all about the heart. Our prayer, each and every one of us, should be that of David in Psalm 51.10, created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. That's my prayer for us today. We need the work of God done in our hearts to change us, to pursue the things that He desires, not the things of this world. Let's pray. Father, we love you and, and 
We praise you for who you are. God, as, as just reading through this text over and over again, uh, seeing how I could so closely follow the ways of what seemed to be the, the life of a Pharisee, and there are days that I, that I often do, God, thinking that, that something that I do all of a sudden just puts me in a better standing with you when I know that that's not true at all. Forgive me for that. Forgive us for that, Father, and thank you uh, that, that you care about our hearts. You care about our actions, but you know that our actions flow from our hearts. So you came and redeemed them. Thanks for the forgiveness of sin. Help us to see sin as a big a deal as, as you do. As, as us not trusting that you have the best in mind for us. So forgive us for pursuing what we think is better. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We give you praise. Amen. Scripture talks a lot about how sin is a big deal. It's a, it directly goes against what God demands of His people that identify His people with obedience. And, and we were sinners, every one of us. We all sin, we all fall short of God's expectation, not glorifying Him through our lives. We need the work of God then in our hearts to, to change our lives, our hearts from beating for selfishness to selflessness. God, what is it that you want from me? And the only way that that can happen, the only way that, our, that we can have a clean heart that David prayed for, that we pray for, is through Jesus Christ, the perfect, flawless, sinless sacrifice. The only one who's strong enough to give his life up for all of mankind, strong enough to lay his life down, that his blood could cleanse us from our sins, that his body could be broken to take on the weight of every one of our sins. And Jesus gave his life up to pay the price for all of them. And as I said, the law that God gave, he knew full well that nobody would be able to live into it, that, that, that his people would fall away, would not be able to live into all of this. And, and Paul says in Romans 3.20, it's through the law that we know what sin is, that we understand that we have a need for rescue and redemption. Isn't it to just keep pursuing and then if I can't live into that law, I'm going to change that law to just make it a little bit easier on me. No, we just say, God, whatever it is you want for me, that's what I'll do. And he starts by saying, first, I want you. For you to realize what I've done for you. And then out of it, an obedience to him because of that, out of great, out of joy, not out of dread. And that's what Jesus tells the people. You, you, get, to, you get to follow God with great joy, out of gratitude from your hearts for what it is that, that he's done for you. And that's, what, that's why we take communion this morning. The bread and the cup, we, we take it with great joy for the sacrifice that was given for us, that we get to enter into a relationship with God because of what it is that Jesus had done for us.
But we know this morning, we, we gather together once a month, we remember we have a little bit of juice, we eat some bread. I, I'm not disrespecting it, but let's see it for what it is. It's not, about, it's not about the thing. Jesus told us to do it, to remember him, but it's because of the thing behind the thing. It's what this represents. A Savior who left the glory of heaven to come to let his blood pour out for, for our sins to be forgiven, for his body to be broken and tortured and beaten so that we would not have to face punishment. We eat this because of what it is that Christ has done for us. And we eat it in a commitment to say, we will always remember with our lives what you've done for us. You have done enough. Let's eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Stay